Tennessee Titans talk. We've had about a day and a half of fake free agency. Been really exciting. We have, boy, our team is a lot different, fellas. You're darn right. This is the real March Madness. It's crazy. We've seen some things happen that we've expected and some that we haven't. Yeah, Landon, for me, I know our fan base has a lot of shock about a lot of our players going and a lot of negative reaction. We're getting to that point. We've been there a while where we successfully develop players, whether we sign them in free agency or the draft. Tough decisions have to be made by good teams, and I think it's good that we're one of those shrewd teams because you can't carry your good players because one day you're going to have to sign your great players. That's the way I look at it. And that's a fair assessment. We'll get into it, but I know some people are upset that we lost Johnu Smith to the Patriots, but if you look at the deal, he's making 12.5 a year. He's the third highest paid tight end in the NFL behind George Kittle and Travis Kelsey, who are clearly better than Johnu Smith. We couldn't afford to pay John U. Smith, a guy who is a complimentary piece, great blocker, red zone threat, run after the catch threat. We can't pay him third best tight end money when we have so many other holes and the offense wasn't that heavily reliant on it. John is a good place to start. Big money from New England. Um, the guys that we've lost are all terrific guys. We've done a good job of, you know, I'm glad for him. I will say he looked great in the uniform. He had some amazing catches. Guy had eight touchdowns last year while missing time, but it does seem a little rich for a guy that, you know, had 500 yards passing, uh, that had 500 yards receiving last year. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when you're looking at the deal, it's a four-year deal for $50 million, comes out to 12 and a half a year, guaranteed a little over $31 million for a tight end. I mean, that's pretty wild, and I love John New Smith. I'll never forget when we were in Cleveland And you're like, who is that? I'm like, that's John New Smith. No way. (laughs) The dude was made out of, he's chiseled like Mount Rushmore. I mean, this guy was nuts. But, you know, I'm happy for him. But like you guys said, like, we can't, we can't build our roster with the limited cap space we have and pay guys like this. As much as I would have liked to keep him around, because I like that homegrown talent. We took a risk on drafting him. And, you know, he worked out really well for us. But. I think we'll be able to find a replacement for cheaper. That's I guess that's what it boils down to. Can you replace him? Can you replace him for cheaper? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Right. I notice a lot of premier NFL teams develop the tight end position. They don't spend huge money on it uh, or high draft picks. And I think that we're uh, going to attempt to be one of those teams anyways. We're going to need some veteran help. But I think uh, unless something big happens in the next week or so, they're, they're going to show that they're ready to uh, – to move forward with what they have and what they get in the draft. Landon, I know for a long time, Corey Davis was one of your favorite uh, player, one of your favorite players. Uh, it's interesting because uh, people love him. Uh, he, you know, he didn't measure up to being the fifth overall uh, pick uh, in the 2017 draft, but uh, he finds big money and a new home in green. Davis's deal is a lot harder for me to stomach than the Johnny Smith deal. Johnny Smith, like I said, was paid way outside of why I thought he's worth, so we couldn't afford it realistically. But Corey Davis signed three years, $37.5 million, two years guaranteed, so $27 million guaranteed with the Jets. 12.5 a year for, I think, is a really good number two, low-end wide receiver one. That's a bargain. I know the cap is funky with COVID, but we're getting a 17th game next year. TV contracts are being renegotiated. The cap is going to blow up. This is a guy who had 980 yards, almost a 1,000-yard season, and Ryan Tanhill was 15th in passing yards. He's been really good over the past couple of years. The only thing was 
the quarterback play around him got better. Elite blocker, elite team player. And outside of a really weird finish where he wasn't on the field in the Ravens playoff game, he's been everything you asked for outside of just being a superstar. And of course, with A.J. Brown, two more years on a rookie deal, he's going to get paid probably market-setting money, and he deserves it. So, And then I guess we couldn't afford it, but 12.5 for Corey Davis feels like a steal. Wow, still, I, I wonder about the fit. I know that the guy's going to come and play, and he is going to be productive. I think he's got a high floor, and the Jets don't have a lot of talent really anywhere. So I think he'll be good for the locker room, and he's still got a lot of good football in him. Uh, Landon, what do you think about the fit, though? Uh, can they – we see guys sign with the Jets or teams like the Jets, and they take that guaranteed money, and then, you know, they haven't made stars out of anybody in a while. So, I mean, what do you, what do you think of the fit? The fit really just comes down to who's throwing on the ball next season. It seems like Sam Darnold will be out the door. Then whichever rookie they draft, really no matter who they draft, I think Davis can be a immediate impact player for them because he gets open. He's a good possession receiver. He makes the catch. He works around inaccurate quarterbacks. It's just he's not going to kill you after the catch. I think he's going to be good. It's just it's a rookie quarterback. It's the Jets. Who knows how good they'll actually be, but... Also, part of Davis's impact comes from his run-blocking ability to block down the field. And we saw that with Arthur Smith. So many of Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown's big plays were Davis hustling his butt off to block a couple DBs down the field. Robert Sala isn't an offensive mind. I don't, know, I don't really know how much Mike LaFer is as a play caller. So can he truly maximize his Davis's talent as a blocker? Yeah, that's the question, I guess. He's one of those guys we're going to root for anyway. But, um, you know, uh, I hate to see him go. So, uh, a big part of our re- receiving core, poof, is gone, a big fella. But uh, the way I look at it, they see their core offensively is Tannehill and Henry and A.J. Brown. And they're going to make things work around that. They're going to try to develop guys. That's, that's obviously where they're going. They feel like everyone is expendable except for those three guys. I really think that. And um, those are the guys that make big money or will make big money. Um, That's how they're going to have to do it. But there's no clear number two on this roster. There's no guy we drafted last year uh, that's going to come around. So they're going to have to find a veteran receiver. Who knows? They may – they still have room here for a big swing or uh, they'll look to the draft. Before we get into the guys we've signed, Big Fella, i got to ask you, about an hour before we came on, we surprisingly dumped Dennis Kelly and Adore Jackson to get room. Uh, I would think that we're uh, ramping up for something. We already have uh, cap space, so that's going to put us with a lot of cap space left. What do you think the strategy is? I, you guys know how I feel about and have felt about Adore Jackson, and with him being cut, that leaves only one player from the 2017 draft still on our roster. Well, not even on our roster right now, and Jayon Brown. Um, so if we don't bring him back, that whole draft class is gone. Personally, I don't really like the optics of that, that we really turned over a whole draft yeah, class. Yeah, but if you look at the, um, um, let's say, wins above replacement or value that we received from that draft, we we got a ton. Johnny Smith, Corey Davis. But you're right. I would like to see one of those guys as a long-term, but it, that is funny because you wouldn't have guessed that even a season or two ago. Uh, but they certainly got a lot of value. But right. uh, they have – 
I think you're about to tell me that you agree that they've hitched their wagon to a couple of guys and they're just going to let everything be. Well, they have, but first I was going to say, maybe we aren't allowed to go to the draft anymore because <laughs> that was I our know, first but one. We picked um, a few excellent players. We just, uh, boy, they're not going to be in uh, yeah. two-tone blue anymore. That's kind of sad. Right. It, it is. Um, so I'll be curious to see what happens, but I do really think we're ramping up for something. And obviously, yeah, why else to. dump those guys? Um, I know you and Landon were yeah. talking before the why, show. Adori, you guys are worried about his knee. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously when he did finally get back, number well, number one, from what the reports I read is that he didn't trust himself early, earlier on in his recovery when he could have actually returned earlier. He didn't trust his own knee, which that is like red flag big time, you know, and some players – they may heal physically, but they may never recover mentally. So I'm wondering if it's something like that where he just, you know, is a liability. And, you know, when we did see him get back in on the field, he was a shell of him, so, of his former self. Overall, J-Rob looked at um, Adori and decided he wasn't worth um, the, the $10 million cap number that we could gain by cutting him. Um, and that'll allow us to swing for the fences like we're talking about. Because now we definitely need a right tackle now that The Undertaker is gone. I mean, Dennis Kelly But if they gone. were going to dump Adore Jackson and they knew that um, last week, wouldn't they have maybe held on to Michael Butler? I know he came in at a big number, but they had to pay him $4 million anyway. His um, essential cap hit is the same as Adore Jackson's. I would think they were going to pick one or the other. Uh, this maybe it's riding on the wall, but it seems like something has come up um in the last 24 hours and they're going for something and they're gonna they, they have some big fish that they want to get I, cer- I certainly hope so anyway um because our cornerback for sure i mean, I mean if, any, corner? if I mean, nobody yeah well i was i was gonna say anybody who thinks that this janoris jenkins signing is the replacement no there's something else coming whether by trade or i'm not sure if they're just gonna straight up get a corner off the market but there is somebody some other cornerback coming um, or they're moving up real far in the first round to get that top guy. That uh, Both of those are things to watch. So if we don't see anything in the next couple days, we better start reviewing our yeah, draft tape Janor on corners. Jenkins, uh, you mentioned that. He's one of our signings uh, late today. I like Janoris Jenkins. Uh, a lot of people remember him from Florida. Got kicked out, finished at University of North Alabama. Played you know in this league at a high level for uh, the Rams. Uh, both in St. Louis and L.A., and then played for the Giants. Uh, had some issues, some personal issues with them. Um, he's a good player. He's not a big guy. I, he's depth for them, but he could easily be a top three corner next year. Uh, they haven't released the money we paid for him, but you're right. I mean, there's got to be more, but that's good that there's at least a veteran presence there. Let's talk about the other guys. Of course, Bud Dupree is the big splash. Mixed reaction from our fan base. Uh, physically, though, uh, he kind of fits the – fits the target. I mean, the guy has a, a lot of potential, and he has played well. Yes, he played um, alongside other good pass rushers in Pittsburgh. But he is a good player, and I think John Robinson kind of usually sides with, you know, physical tools and things like that, and he does have them. He's kind of an ideal uh, pass rusher. Uh, he has a really good win rate. Um, yes, he had an ACL injury. Uh, everything looks like he's coming back from that okay. There's a risk there. Um, but – you know, we had to get in line and get a guy. $16.5 million a year. Uh, I was telling you guys before the show, I get annoyed with, oh, $80 million, $60 million. It's like, what's the guaranteed money? The guaranteed money is $36 million. He's going to make $16.5 million a year. So, basically, he's um, guaranteed for two years, 
Well, of course, they'd have to buy him out for a few million dollars on that third year if they didn't keep him. So that sounds palatable for me. They know it doesn't matter if they brought everybody back and made us feel better about all these guys. Remember, if they don't get a pass rush, they're never gonna they're never gonna make a run. They're never. Tampa Bay told us how to do it, and they did it with yes, some really talented players, and they did it with a lot of veteran depth too, rushing the passer. And that's why we went for it last year. Yes, we failed on two guys, but that's why we're doing it again this year. It doesn't matter. Um, they they want to win a Super Bowl. They want to get to a Super Bowl. You've got to have a pass rush. Uh, we have not developed guys, so we just got to go all in on free agency. Uh, Bud Dupree, to me, um, I like the deal. The guy had other options. Uh, the money is not ridiculous. Uh, Land, what do you what do you think about Dupree? Well, you guys know I've been very outspoken against this deal in the past twenty four hours. Here's just some tidbits. He tore his ACL in December. He's expected to be back healthy in time for training camp, but still, major leg injury. Per PFF, 61% of his pressures in 2020 through 11 games were either unblocked, cleanup, or pursuit, aka not self-generated. Since 2018, over the past three years, that number was over 50%, which was second worst in the NFL. Over the past two years on the Steelers, he's been their fourth best pass rusher. So you've got a guy who... Can't self-generate pressure, pass rush ability. Isn't the best guy on his own team, so he's not getting double-teamed and attention like Harold Landry, T.J. Watt, etc. He's injured. And top it off, looking through his highlights, he seems like a bit of a dirty player. A couple of years ago, we know he pretty much speared Matt Moore and knocked him out of the game in 2017 wildcard. He crushed Drew Locke this year. And it's just, yes, he's one of the big names on the market. You have to pay up for a pass rusher, but historically... The metrics say guys who consistently create their own pressure are the better pass rushers more than sacks. Dupree has the eighth most sacks over the next over the past two years, but his pressure numbers are nowhere near it. Our front seven isn't nearly as talented as Pittsburgh's. We don't have two guys as good as TJ Watt and Cam Hayward, not to mention Stefan Tuitt. So is this guy, I just don't see how Bud Dupree is going to live up to these expectations. I will say, compared to Vic Beasley, who I absolutely hated last year, Bud Dupree is an above average run defender, so at the very least. He's not a liability half the time. John, the, all that may be true, and uh, I know you're like me. You get a sick uh, pit in your stomach because Landon is when he hates guys. He's usually right, but we had to get a guy right. We we had to just get in line and get one of these top guys. It, we just had to be done. We had to get a guy. Uh, I'm I'm not sold on Bud Dupree yet, but J Rob is doing something big. So let's just see what he's got up his sleeve. I didn't really like Trey Hendrickson. Um, I liked Carl Lawson. and I would have liked to see us go that route, but this is a guy that they believe in. They swung. We're going to have to see what happens. And, you know, is he athletic and does he have, te- uh, you know, potential? Sure. You better believe it. Would he have had a different, would the Steelers have had a different season last year with him there? Probably. Is he TJ Watt? No, but he is a reliable defensive presence. He's only 28. So there are a lot of up, there's a lot of upside with it, um, or potential upside with it. Uh, now I think it, it for me he and can't be the only guy. And I think they've proven that, and I think uh, yeah. winning pass rushes have, have shown that it's got to be multiple multitude of guys. And I think that's why they're still clearing room. I mean, we could see them answer that. Hendrickson would have been a good fit for us. Uh, Dupree has a better pedigree, but Hendrickson basically just took one year of guaranteed money. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I personally. I think other teams want to do pretty. I think we got away pretty good. 
Landon mentioned him as a, as a dirty player on the field. I don't really – obviously don't like that kind of thing. But uh, as a locker room guy and a character guy, he's always gotten really high marks. So, that's not why you give a guy $36 million. But, I mean, he's athletic. I, I just think we because we haven't developed guys, because we didn't hit last year, we had to pick somebody. So, uh, here we are. And another guy under the radar, uh, Danico Autry. I think a lot of folks don't know who that is. Played for the Colts last year. Um Landon, he's a guy who also played around a really good defensive line and looked really good, had seven and a half sex last year. Uh, we gave him nine, $9 million, uh, $7 million a year, basically uh, a one-year $7 million deal with a $2 uh, million buyout. I think he wanted to come here. I think he could have gotten that deal several places. To John's point, we got to add several guys. This guy's a really good pass rusher from from the inside. Yeah, there are, there were reports that came out that the Colts had offered similar numbers as what we did, but – we gave a better structure, better future guarantee money compared to Indy's deal. And Autry, like you said, he's just really solid all around. Good run defender, good pass rusher, gets sacks, pressures, quarterback hits, safety sometimes. He's a really good running mate next to a dominant defensive tackle like DeForest Buckner and hopefully in 2021, Jeffrey Simmons. It's only His cap hit is only around $4 million this year. Like you said, it's mainly a one-year deal. A productive player, good player, does everything well. A guy who, as the fourth or fifth guy on a pass rush, can cause problems, be a productive piece. I'm fine with the move. It's not an outstanding signing, but it's a good move, and contenders are built on good moves. Yeah, one thing with Danico Autry that I look at is, uh, you know, whenever we approach free agency, we sign these guys that people may not have heard of. I look at it as... Okay, is he an upgrade at the position? Yeah, we love Daquan Jones, but I think Danico Autry, he's actually more versatile as a defender. And, you know, obviously the sacks are there for an interior defensive lineman, which is something that's really impressive. And obviously the way to win a championship is through defense and sacking the quarterback, especially when you have to go through the likes of uh, a Mahomes to get there or a uh, Lamar Jackson. You know, we have to get pressure after these guys. And I think that's what J-Rob and Vrabel are going to be focusing on. These versatile defender, versatile defenders um, who can get after the quarterback and have speed. Uh, so maybe they aren't the most physical presence, kind of like Dupree. He's not, he's not going to win every one-on-one, but he's faster than a lot of the other guys. And he's a little bit more of a versatile defender and can drop back in coverage if we needed him to. Um, and, and, you know, he's not a liability anywhere. And I think... That's kind of what they're thinking, and I think that's why this Autry signing is good, and I like it, and I think he is an upgrade from Daquan Jones. As much as I love Daquan Jones, I think he's an upgrade. I like Daquan Jones a lot, and I think back to the uh, Ravens playoff game. Um, You know, he he consistently pushed Lamar uh, Jackson out. He consistently did what he had to do, and I think uh, Denny Autry is a guy that can do that and then some. I think he's got a little higher ceiling, so – I do like that our staff is shrewd. They don't kind of hang with what they have. They continuously take risks and try to get better. Landon, Kendall Lamb, uh, the third tackle, uh, swing tackle for the Cleveland Browns last year. Uh, You were telling us um, before the show, I want you to tell us the story again about the playoff game, but is that an upgrade over The Undertaker? Is that an uh, upgrade over Kelly? Because that's got to be the bet, right? Yeah, so the story is, in the Browns' wildcard game, their star rookie left tackle, Jedrick Wills, got hurt really early on. And so Isaac Lamb got thrown in at left tackle. 
He went up against T.J. Watt most of the game. T.J. Watt was shut out, and the Browns just dominated the Steelers' defense. Now, that was an outlier lamb. That was the only game he started the entire season. He signed for minimal money, only $3 million guaranteed all this year. And the Dennis Kelly move, I don't understand. Yes, we saved $5 million, and in the... And with how cap space has shrunk due to the COVID pandemic, I understand $5 million is more than $5 million usually. But Kelly gave up zero sacks last year. He was a good run defender. We ran towards him a lot. He's been a team player. He's one of the veterans in the locker room. He's consistent. He's got chemistry with Tannehill and Derrick Henry. And now we're at the position where drafting a right tackle is now an even bigger need where, as before, you could run with Dennis Kelly for two more years probably. Now we're drafting a guy probably in the first two rounds because it's Isaac Lamb and Ty Sambrello. We're not, you can't run with that in the Running NFL. With, uh, Dennis Kelly and Sambrello without, you know, Taylor when he was injured and they did do that. Now to try to do something like that two seasons row, I think is a little risky for sure, but I don't know that they won't run with those two guys uh, at the, at the right tackle and swing position. Uh, John, I think, I, I think this is a team that knows they have to get better in certain places and they're going to take some risk. Uh, speaking of, we talked. Uh, to me, the big story is them dumping Adoree and Dennis Kelly because surely they are looking for something, maybe a big trade. I've told you guys all offseason, I think the number 22 pick is up for sale. I don't think they'll look right tackle unless they like the fit in the first three rounds. But at some point, they're going to have to bring somebody in and try to, to develop them. Guys, uh, I know Landon, you've wished for this for a few years. Uh, I'd say the top uh, free agent, um, to me, that is unsigned is Juju Smith-Schuster. He had his best years when he played alongside Antonio Brown. He kind of hung around the slot. Now, we have an Antonio Brown-type talent, uh, crazy as that is to say, and, and A.J. Brown. So is there any chance that uh, a lot, the moves today are posturing to bring in uh, another big free agent? I, th- I think so. There aren't too many trade targets out there that are – Realistic options. I know Stephon Gilmore has been thrown around since midseason of 2020. Daniil Hunter recently, the Viking superstar pass rusher who missed all of 2020, requested a trade recently. Odell Beckham, we don't really need. And the wide receiver market outside of the Patriots just going crazy and signing mid-level guys to higher-level money and Corey Davis signing, along with Marvin Jones signing probably 20 minutes before this episode began recording. None of the big-name wide receivers have signed a deal. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin were franchise-tagged. Juju Smith-Schuster, Kenny Galladay are on the open market. Nothing yet. And there are rumors that some of these higher-level guys could just take one-year deals, fully guaranteed, bounce back when the cap spikes due to the 17th game, new TV contracts. In that case, I think Smith-Schuster or Galladay are more interesting options if we had cut the space for them. Otherwise, I don't really... If it's not Galladay... I'd rather just us to fill out the roster, re-sign Jayon Brown, get a dependable veteran wide receiver two or three, and just focus on building up the holes. Because Galladay, to me, much better star talent. Juju Smith-Schuster fills a role as a slot receiver, dependable guy. But he's just not explosive to me, and he's not he's not valuable enough to me to justify paying him probably Myself, or I'd be shocked million. if we spend $17 million on a Galladay or... A Schuster, but we're one of the few teams that are in that arena. It could just be um, a coincidence, but first of all, what do you think of that? And 
the guy I like, and I think he could be had for about eight and a half million, nine million dollars a year, Curtis Samuel. I just think he's really versatile. Uh, a lot of people think he would be. I don't know what kind of fit they think of with AJ Brown. I think it'd be terrific. But tell me just about the wide receiver class. Where, where do you think we fit in? Yeah, personally, I I like Juju. I want to bring him here. Um, I remember watching his tape when. Uh, we were heading into the 2017 draft, and I was like, all right, my two guys I want with our first-round picks are Dory Jackson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, and, you know, it's really funny. Like, usually whenever we talk about these guys, it, you know, I feel like we as an organization, we always get the guy I want a few years later. Like, you know, I, I, when um, – what was his name? The pass rusher, um, Cameron Wake. When he became a free agent, we didn't get him. We lost out to Miami. But then later on, we got him back. Well, we got him here. And, you know, I feel like that happens a lot. And then same thing with Desmond King. I wanted us to draft him in 2017. We didn't get him then, but we got him now. We got him later. Um, so I just feel like it's in it's in our destiny to get Juju just because he's a guy I originally liked a lot more. Um, so I like him. I think he has a good fit. I think like you said, next to Antonio Brown, he did his best work. And I think being next to AJ Brown gives him that opportunity again. I like Galladay. Galladay has been hurt, but if he's healthy, um, he could be electric. Um, I think like what you said about Curtis Samuel is a really good point. Cause he, he had a really good – he had a good year last year, and that was – He's super underrated. In spite of losing Christian McCaffrey, he went over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Yeah, he's just that guy that flies under the radar. Um, but, yeah, he went over 1,000 yards, and he just could – he could be perfect. He could fill the, the Humphreys role that we were hoping to, to have. Um, he could do a lot of different things in the backfield if we need to spell Derrick Henry. And if we're not feeling great about Darrington Evans or whatever it might be, he's your gadget guy. And, you know, I, I, I personally, if I'm picking out these receivers, I'm picking Juju. But another guy I want to throw at you that I know this guy has plagued you for years specifically um, in fantasy and just in, in I life. I think he's over the hill. Uh, but I, I, I don't really love it. But how about T.Y. Hilton? There's a lot of really um, interesting names. And just looking at after – um, the decision we had to make on Davis, um, one of these guys is going to wind up a Titan, and it could be interesting. Emmanuel Sanders, Ke- Keelan Cole, Danny Amendola, Landon, don't get too excited. Um, uh, you know, there's guys. Josh Reynolds was a really good, like, fourth receiver in uh, in L.A., Kenny Stills. Uh, one of these guys uh, I think is going to see an opportunity uh, in Nashville uh, if we don't swing big here. I, I just really have a hard time thinking we're going to – uh, put $17 million on a second receiver, but that would be exciting for sure. It would certainly certainly be interesting. Um, Landon, you made a really good point um, in text earlier today about how we might be cutting guys today based on what they're hearing about tomorrow. Tomorrow, a lot of teams are going to have to make a lot of tough decisions. More cuts are coming. And so there could be some interesting guys that aren't currently free agents that could be free agents 24 hours from now, right? So like you said, in about 20 hours, teams are going to have to get into the cap. Those teams include the Chicago Bears, who were $20 million over the cap before giving Andy Dalton a one-year deal worth about $10 million. The Eagles, who are a million miles off. Same with the Saints, who have cut almost every good veteran. Same with the Falcons, who have restructured Matt Ryan so they should be close to breaking even. They'll still have to cut some guys. And like with the wide receiver market, we haven't seen just 
every good free agent signed so far. And we just see an oversupply versus the demand where guys' prices are pushed down. As of right now, the wide receiver market is said to be pretty bad. I think that can be said for a lot of positions. And if even more talent floods the market, then I can see where guys take one-year deals. They just get their money. They play for a good team. They just try and bounce back 2021 when there's more cap space. There are cap issues, not for every team. There are cap issues. There are a lot of good players, good kind of mid-tier players that are going to be kind of out in the situation Lana was just describing. Like, well, in a normal year, it'd be different. I want to wait around because, you know, the TV money is going to be back. The 17th game money is going to be back. Um, the gambling money is going to start coming in in two years. So um, it's hard for NFL players to do that because you're one injury away, right? But a week from now to have a little room, we're, we're going to be one of those very few – Good teams with holes and a little money. So we could get some really good values here. I'm going to guess it may not be a home run we're looking for. We're, we might we may be looking for some doubles because Kyle Rudolph is probably still going to be looking for somewhere to play in a few days, maybe even Gerald Everett. So, you know, that every day that goes, that money is going to go down a bit. And that guaranteed money or that extra year, uh, we may be bold. We, we may be looking for something like that. Uh, for me, I'd, I'd like to see us bring back Desmond King. And every day that he's on the market is a day we could maybe lock him up for, you know, three years and $15 million with 10 guaranteed or something like that. Um, you know, so maybe patience is going to be the virtue here this year in particular. Yeah, I totally think so. And I, I, you know, I also look at a guy like King and I get excited, you know, the longer he sits on the market, the more, more likely he is to return. And that's typically what we see in the NFL every year. These guys that sit on the market, they usually come back to their original team for, a, you know, a deal that makes a lot of sense. And I kind of hope that's the thought for a guy like Clowney. You know, he, his, he's got a lot to prove. He came here on a prove it deal. He didn't prove it for the whole season he got hurt injured he finally got the surgery he needed to correct his issues for good so we're told um so i think this is another opportunity for him to do a prove it deal like you're saying in a down year and then when you know even if it's another one-year rental for seven million dollars and then next year once the cap goes up to what 230 or whatever it might get he's up to then he's um, then he cashes in i don't know that we'll see him back i was higher on him than other people because i just watching the games yeah he, he at least was a hand in a face right because a lot of the season it was just no pressure so i think people look at him on a stat sheet and say it was disappointment and he was but i mean you can see where the guy i mean the guy gets after the fight he finds a way to get through and he does he's someone they have to think about every time so yeah if they can get him on a manageable deal but honestly i think he'll just wind up somewhere else i just think he yeah i could see him with one of the la or new york teams or whatever but uh we'll see well it's funny you say that i did see somebody on facebook um post that Clowney had signed a deal with the rams not confirmed though um and i, I don't know if there's any you know, I don't even know if I call that smoke, um, you know, because that's uh, that's so far off from what I think would actually happen. But it could happen. And, you know, there is a likelihood that we won't get him. Um, and maybe we're looking at like a more veteran guy like Carlos Dunlap or I don't know. Uh, there are guys out there to be had, but we need that piece. And I think 
kind of what we're talking about on deals and bargains. I think Clowney's our bargain, um, and, and he needs another proof deal. And, oh, so-and-so is signed with the Titans, and he took a market value deal or better. Who is that pit in the stomach? Mine is – and this guy's talented, and I uh, love the college he played for, but Will Fuller, I feel like we've talked about him on this podcast more than any non-Titan. The guy can't stay healthy. He had that weird thing with the PDs. <laughs> I don't like his consistency, uh, but the guy's so electric. Um, you know, what if somebody is going to give him $15 million or more? Uh, yeah, I could get excited, but I would also be kind of terrified at that, Landon. Wow. What? For me, I would say Juju Smith-Schuster. Ah. He's a he's a decent player, good slot receiver, but to me, his value to for him to be a good value signing, we'd have to be much more of a passing team than we are. And there's no reason not to go away from Derrick Henry, especially with how many receiving threats we lost. And to me, paying a guy fifteen million ish as a wide receiver to as a slot guy, who's not gonna be super explosive, stretch the defense like Galladay could, for example, it would just be a poor allocation of resources because A.J. Brown is good underneath. Ferkser is good underneath. We can manufacture those touches in. We're, we're not desperate for a guy like Humphreys to have that third and short conversion. We need a guy opposite A.J. Brown that can stretch defenses and makes defenses fear them the even when they don't have the ball. Very well, but just the Titans have never done anything like that, paid that kind of money for a second receiver. So uh, it would be exciting, but I believe when I see it. Uh, John, what guy are you afraid of left in free agency? I, you know, you guys are going to jump all over me here because he's a former former Temple alum, but I think it might even happen. I, I'm terrified of Hassan Reddick. I loved him when he got drafted in the first round, I, and, you know, I loved him because he was a Temple player, but I think he was overdrafted, and we didn't really see anything from him except for last year in a couple games. You know, he had one game where he had five sacks, and then he blasted onto everybody's radar. So to me, he's a candidate that will get overpaid based on what he did in the stat sheet. Um, so I would be terrified if we wake up tomorrow and, you know, we end up paying him, gosh, like market or above market for him. Yeah, at least I'll be, I'll be sick to my stomach to see that happen. I mean, I'll be hopeful like you were saying, but I'll be sick to my stomach. But you got to think of it like this. They might do that. That might actually happen because, and Landon, tell me if I'm right or wrong, the way they would look at it in the best possible scenario, like they did last year and failed, they would say, all right, Dupree, all right, Autry, obviously we got Jeff Simmons in the middle. Okay, we've got Harold Landry coming back, and then we're going to add him. If everything goes right, we're going to have a pass rush from a lot of different angles, and we're going to be like the Eagles from three years ago, and we could could ride Henry and Tannehill – and A.J. Brown, and our pass rush. I mean, that is an absolute best possible scenario. But the only way for us to even have a chance to do that is to take these chances. We could we could roll the dice on, on Reddick, right? And he could be the next Shaq Barrett. Uh, and he could be a one-hit wonder. Uh, it, it, that's going to be a fascinating decision, Lance. The only thing with Reddick to me is his first four years, 
when, when they shuffled through three or four coaches, defensive coordinators, defensive schemes, they moved him to off-ball linebacker after he was a pass rusher in college, and he finally moved back to pass rusher this year, is he's had four forgettable to outright bad years, then one really good year. Which one is it? Is it, is it he finally got used correctly, and he just developed and finally got his shot? Or was he playing in a contract year, playing for his future money? He had that little bit of extra motivation, that little bit of extra push. The reason that contract year players exist, which one is it? And to me, I would, I would be inclined that it's more a contract year than him figuring it out. I think he could end up being a consistent seven, eight sack guy, a guy who's a complimentary pass rusher, but you don't pay complimentary pass rushers 15 million a year like we think he's going to get. So I, I think Reddick is probably the most realistic of the names you mentioned, guys that could be overpays. Uh, what, what happened today? Uh, it's tough in a way because, you know, you just don't see where they're going. They're obviously not letting anybody know that. But cornerback, receiver, uh, we'll just have to trust that um, our front office is going to put things together. But I want everybody to remember that they have to be bold. If we run everything back – we're going to do what we did last year, and I appreciate the front office uh, is not okay with that. I think they see a window here uh, with their core players. Um, guys, either one of y'all have anything else? Yeah, I got two two things. I want to circle back to right tackle and left tackle because I'm looking at the roster, and I don't see Sim Brilo officially on it. So we do not have him, right? You guys are making that assumption that he'd be around because we can get him on a really manageable deal back. There's more to be done there. I think if he's not here, I think we're in a little bit more trouble with right tackle. It has to. Just as a contingency plan. Yeah, and then my other thing is you guys might think I'm crazy, and I've I mentioned this through text before, and I want to get your your on air thoughts about it. Corderell Patterson, punt returner, kick returner, go. Um, to me, that's one of those guys that's going to shake out, and he's going to want to go play for a good team. Uh, he played his uh, last year of college ball at Tennessee. That I think you've wanted him for a while, but uh, yeah, sure, why not? I have. <laughs> so we haven't talked about we haven't talked about Jan Brown. Yeah, I think if we can get him for like a million for bucks, like, why not? Think of that. Um, every day that ticks uh, down, Landon, is it more likely or less likely we see Jan Brown uh, back in uh, two tone blue next year? I think less likely because right actually before the tampering period began. Matt Milano, a guy who's going to get comparable money to Jayon Brown, I would think, signed a four-year, $46 million contract with the Bills, who were in a similar cap struggle as we were. And it's been two, three days since then, so what gives? They both had injuries. They're both great coverage linebackers. They're a bit small, a bit banged up this past season, so what's going on? Now, with the Dorian Kelly cuts, there's really no reason why John Brown shouldn't be resigned. So if he's not resigned, it's a conscious effort on our part not to. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I think the longer he doesn't sign, the less likely he returns back to the Titans. Because let's face it, out of many out of many of the guys on a roster, 
he's probably the one who's earned it, right? And I think David Long, I think they have high hopes for him. Um, and I think I think they hope that he can be, fill in for him. So we have a guy that probably deserved a, contra- a new contract, but we also have his replacement. Um, and I think that puts us in this weird spot where we get back to the Johnny Smith. Yeah, love him. Want him here. But at what cost? When does that make sense? Um, so I'd love to get him back. And like I said, I think I think he definitely earned a new contract. But he might be one of those guys who just sits on the market. And the the longer he sits on the market, he'll you know he'll he'll start to harbor some malcontent, some discontent with the Titans, and he'll take it personally, and he'll end up going somewhere else. I mean, this guy dyed his hair blue. I love everything about him. I love the way he plays. Um, injuries hurt him towards the end of the year, not to his, you know, not his fault at all. Um, but he's a guy that is going to kind of be a question mark for us. I could see two scenarios where we have two, one where we do have him and one where we don't. And would it make more sense tomorrow if Riley Reef becomes a Titan, uh, with what happened today? I'm just waiting for something to make sense with right tackle. Uh, he's still there and uh, he seems like a good fit for us and he's got some football left in him. <clears throat> I thought we were going to swing a trade for Riley Reef last year, to be honest with you. Yeah, I thought we were going to swing a trade for him last year, but we didn't. Well, guys, thanks for listening. I would not be surprised uh, We're going to wrap this up. We could probably do this all night and probably do it again tomorrow and the next day. It's great to be back with everyone. Free agency is so fun, even if it's a little confusing. Hopefully, we can <laughs> come together for our Titans. Don't lose hope. Don't get discouraged. Try to look at the big picture. As far as Tennessee Titans talk, follow us if you haven't already. Send us to a friend. Uh, We just appreciate everybody that listens to us. Landon, big fella, thanks for being with us, and we will talk to you guys soon. Tighten up.